0: This is the Grind It Podcast. We know just like grinding a handrail or across a coping can be challenging at times, so can life be. We share God's Word and personal stories to encourage you to keep grinding and to not give up. It's time to grind. So here's the old school skateboarder himself, Randall Tucker. Welcome to the Grind It Podcast. Today we're going to finish up Matthew 23. And man, Matthew 23 is where Jesus, he's surrounded by these Pharisees, he's surrounded by his disciples, he's just, he's surrounded by this ginormous crowd of hundreds, maybe thousands of people, and he just lays down the gauntlet on the Pharisees, and he exposes them for what and who they really are, and he says, hey, you can listen to their teachings, because they they are the representatives of the law. They, they interpret the law, and they teach the law, and that they do well, but don't follow their example, uh, and the the you would think that um, Jesus when when he was walking the earth you would think you know I asked this question to myself who 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 was Jesus hard on the most like who, who would he go at it with and you would think it would be the sinners that would come to him over and over again with their needs and their wants and you know heal me uh, cast this demon out of my you know out of my loved one. Uh, and you, you would think that Jesus would be hard on these people but no he was always compassionate he, he the Bible says over and over again he was moved with compassion or his heart went out to these people and he felt sorry for these people and he and he would meet their needs so then maybe we would think <clears throat> that he was hard on his disciples and and sometimes he was a little, hard on his disciples because he, he's trying to prepare them and he only has three years to do this he's trying to prepare them because they're going to take over he knows that he's going to be crucified he's going to send back to heaven and sit by the father's right hand and they're going to be in charge and so he he's pouring himself and his teachings into these men and they were constantly doubting they were constantly uh um they they uh were unbelieving at times they were confused at times they showed a lot of pride at times you just fill in the blank they, they were hard-headed um, but Jesus even though he he would correct them at times he he wasn't really all that hard on uh, the, the 12 disciples not even Judas who would betray him because Judas was stealing money the whole time because he was the treasurer of the group and he was he was taking money out of the bag. All the time, and Jesus never one time called him out on that. By the way, and it wasn't until the very end. Uh, matter of fact, it's the night of the uh, of the last uh, the, the the last Passover meal that Jesus is going to have with his disciples, and he tells me says one of one of you you're a murderer, and uh, um, and they're like was it me is it me is it me is it me and, and it was Judas, and that's when Judas was actually called out, and, he, and Jesus says go do what you got to do quickly. Get out of here. Get it done. Um, So Jesus wasn't really very hard on the the 12 disciples. Um, But who he was hard on all the time was uh, the Pharisees and the religious leaders. Because they would come to him trying to trap him and try to, to disprove to the people that he is the Messiah. But what they couldn't understand... Even though they knew the law, they knew the scriptures, they would know the prophecies because they studied the prophets. They could just never get it through their hard heads that Jesus is the Messiah. He was who he says he is. And they just continually rejected him. And so they would spar with one another and and Jesus was hard on them and he would tell the disciples that their, their hearts are not right with God. And so now in Matthew 23, he is exposing the Pharisees for who they really are and what they really are, hypocrites. And so all of a sudden, and he's surrounded by the Pharisees. This is, I mean, you're talking about kahunas, man. This this guy had them, and he wasn't going to back down whatsoever, and it's about to kill him. It's about to cost him his life. He's going to They're challenging him, and he's going to call them out in front of everybody, and, and they have an absolute... Uh, fit in and rage and, and they finally figure out a way to get to Jesus and they use Judas. To sell Judas sells Jesus uh, for 30 pieces of silver and betrays Jesus in the garden of Gethsemane with a kiss. Jesus is arrested, crucified, well he goes through a mock trial, crucified, buried and raised again on the third day. But here in Matthew 23, uh, Jesus has just exposed to the crowd. These Pharisees, these religious leaders, and he says, now you can follow their teaching because that's good, but don't follow their example. And he says, you need to be servants. You need to follow my lead, follow my example. And and so he says, these Pharisees, they looked the part, they sounded the part, but their hearts, it's their hearts were far away from God. They're very prideful. They don't know anything about humility, and they 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 certainly aren't going to wash anybody's feet. They're not going to be. They're not going to humble themselves and become a servant because their nose is too stuck up in the air and they're looking down upon everybody who they're supposed to be leading to the throne of God. So you got the Pharisees, you got Sadducees, you got scribes, and there's many priests who um, were this way, and Jesus exposed them. Um, Jesus and the religious leaders, as I said, they've been butting heads, they've been sparring, is the way I've been putting it in these podcasts but they've been butting heads for three years now and they're trying to disprove that he's the messiah and he's constantly pointing out their double life and in their sinful ways and they have, they have literally picked up stones on several occasions and try to stone him they've tried to push him off a cliff they've tried to get uh they tried to kill jesus in this in these three to three and a half years but every time jesus would escape but like i said in just a day or two later after this in Matthew twenty three, they're gonna get exactly what they wanted, or they think they do. They they're, they're gonna have Jesus crucified, but he's gonna raise again on the third day and come back to life. Um so here in Matthew twenty three we're gonna finish up this chapter and this is where Jesus just starts pronouncing these woes. I love it on on these on these Pharisees, these religious leaders who uh, they're fakes. They're hypocrites. And that's what he, he points out in verse 13. Uh, and we're going to go through the end of the chapter and and just talk about what Jesus says about these hypocrites. Um, he says, What sorrow awaits you, teachers of religious law and you Pharisees? Hypocrites! Exclamation point. For you shut the door of the kingdom of heaven in people's faces. You won't go in yourselves and you don't let others enter either and see they think they're on their way to heaven they think they're fine with god they think that you know they studied the law they got their big phylacteries they got their long tassels look how much i love god and serve god right and jesus says you shut the door to heaven in people's faces and you you won't even go in yourselves you're not you're not going into the kingdom of heaven and you're not going you're not leading other people into the kingdom of heaven and that's what they're supposed to be doing and so jesus says you're hypocrites and this this term hypocrite it comes from uh, Greek plays. Hippocrite. Uh, its its literal translation is this: It's an interpreter from underneath. An interpreter from underneath. In other words, the actors who were men, uh, they wore masks, and and the men would play women parts, and and well, they played all parts, and so they would change masks. The same person would play different roles in a play, and they would just put on a mask, including. The women's roles. And they would they were trying to deceive, if you will, the audience into thinking that they were a woman or whatever part that they were playing. Uh, they were interpreters from underneath the mask. Jesus is telling these Pharisees, as well as his disciples and the audience that's gathered around this huge crowd, that they are like these actors, these Pharisees, they're like these actors who are wearing masks, because they knew exactly what Jesus was saying when he called them hypocrites. They have been playing the role, um, uh, this religious role, with religious zeal, if you will, but now they're being exposed for who they really are. Their true character is being revealed by Jesus. and They're not going to like it, by the way. And so Jesus says in verse 15, What sorrow awaits you, teachers of religious law and you Pharisees, hypocrites, for you cross land and sea to make one convert, and then you turn that person into twice the child of hell you yourselves are. I mean, he just calls them out right there on the spot. You yourselves, you are a child of hell, which means Satan is their father. And so, if you remember uh, uh, back when one of the times they confronted Jesus, they they told Jesus that he they called him Beelzebub, and they said that uh, that he was from Satan, that 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 the devil was his father. Um, and Jesus it just tells him point blank, you yourselves are children of hell. And you cross land and sea to make one convert. And then you turn when you do make a convert, you turn that person into twice the child of hell that you yourselves are. So crossing land and sea, it shows the hard work that these these Pharisees and these religious leaders, they put in. They they worked hard. They did. And they studied a lot and, and they they went to the extreme to con- try to convert people to Judaism. And, uh, but the problem is they were trying to convert people to their ways and their customs, not to God. They wanted people to believe their interpretation of the law. And, and they wanted people to feed their egos, if you will, as we talked about in the last podcast, because they, they had huge egos. They were very selfish. Um, these Pharisees, they're trying to convince people that they should be like them if they wanted to get into a relationship with God. And Jesus says that when they do convert someone, that they are leading, leading them away from God, not to God. And so, and so we have to be careful. We, we don't want to be like the Pharisees. We don't want to lead people away from God. So if people are following our example, are they seeing Jesus in us? And, our, and, and is our example leading people to Jesus or from Jesus? Because we, we want to be leading people to Jesus, uh, and he says in verse sixteen, "Blind guides, what sorrow awaits you, for you say that it means nothing to swear by God's temple, but that it's binding to swear by the gold in the temple. Blind fools, which is more important, the gold or the temple that makes the gold sacred? And the temple, this thing was ginormous; it was huge." Um, it's been destroyed. It was destroyed in AD seventy. Never been rebuilt. And you see people uh, in Jerusalem praying. You, you know they're, they're they're bobbing their head or whatever, and they're praying. They got little. Uh, they'll stick little prayers into the, the wall. I, if, if I'm not mistaken, that's not. Uh, that is a part of the wall that surrounded the outside of the temple. That's not part of the temple itself. That thing was completely destroyed, and it's just a little piece of the wall. But this temple was Ja enormous and and he's saying that you know it was it was a a thing of beauty to behold full of gold and and just just beautiful and and he's saying you're you're saying that the temple you you can't swear by the temple it's not important but you can swear by the gold and you're making the gold more important than the temple he says is the gold uh is, is the gold what makes the temple sacred he says, and you say that to swear by the altar is not binding, but to swear by the gifts on the altar is binding. How blind, for which is more important, the gift on the altar or the altar that makes the gift sacred? Well, they would say the gift on the altar, not the altar itself. When you swear by the altar, Jesus says, you're swearing by it and everything on it. And when you swear by the temple, you are swearing by it and by God, who listen this, who lives in it. Well, see, the, God had been living. It, it, God dwelled in the tabernacle back when they were traveling through the wilderness, and they had the tabernacle. They could take that tent down, and because they wandered around for forty years, but God would show up in the form of a cloud, and everybody could see that cloud. They knew that the, the holy place, the holiest of holies, is uh, they had it had the uh, ark of the covenant. Uh, and that represented God. But God would show up and he would live in that tabernacle. And then uh, David wanted to build God a permanent dwelling place there in Jerusalem. But God wouldn't allow David to build the temple because he had shed blood. He was a, a warrior. And so he allowed his son Solomon, David's son Solomon, to build the temple. And, and 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 as soon as the temple was finished and completed, God showed up just like he did in the tabernacle. He showed up in the form of a cloud and, and uh, the Ark of the Covenant was placed in the Holy of Holies, and the, the priests could go in there once a year, make atonement for the people's sins, you know, put the sacrifice and, and dra- drip the blood o- over the mercy seat of the Ark of the Covenant. And and when that was destroyed again, they uh, they rebuilt it. Uh, I believe Herod was the one that rebuilt the, the temple the next time, um, and that would be the one that was standing here in when Jesus was walking around. Um, and so... <clears throat> Jesus tells them, he says, this building's going to be destroyed. And they're like, what are you talking about, dude? And and we see that happen. You can actually go online, and I, I've shared it in a podcast before, but you can go online and read firsthand accounts. That, I mean, eyewitnesses that were there, what they wrote about what was going on when the temple was destroyed by the Romans and how they just come in and killed people, wiped people out, uh, blood everywhere, Destroy the temple, burnt what was left. I mean, just absolutely destroyed, stone on top of stone. It was just all gone in AD seventy. Uh, and these these Pharisees, they they th- this temple and the altar and the the sacrifices, it, it was just everything to them. And and God says, <clears throat> you think that the 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 uh, the um the gifts are more important than The altar. But the altar is more important than the gifts. And he says, you think the gold is important, but what's important is the building. Because what makes it important is God lives in this building. And he says, if you swear by any of this, you're swearing by it, the temple, and by God who lives in that temple. And he says, and when you swear by heaven, you are swearing by the throne of God and by God who sits on the throne and he calls me. He he says, "You're blind. You're blind guides." Well, what what do you use a guide for? A guide leads. How can a guide lead if they're blind? How how can a, a guide explain? Because what a guide does, they if, if you're going through a museum or, uh, or whatever, a, a guide will explain to you uh, as you go on these tours um, what's going on around them because they they can see it. They've been there and they've experienced it for a long time, and so they can explain. All there is uh, to know about that whatever you're looking at. Or if you take like a hunting trip and there's a lot of people who um, pay a, a guide to go kill a big game. And well, if the guide is blind, how are they going to know where the, the, the big game is? But see these guys, they've, they've been on this land for a long time, so they know the land. they've, they, they've put certain food out. Uh, they've studied certain animals that have, have, have been in their area. And they know their travel patterns, they they know where they sleep, they know where they eat, they know where they go get drink. they, they, they know the patterns of these animals and so these guides, since they know all of these details, because they were able to see it. So the guide, you pay a guide to go on this hunt because you're putting your trust in this guide because they've studied these animals and they know where their location is and they're going to put you in the right spot to be able to kill that big buck or whatever it is, the, you know, whatever it is that the caribou, whatever you're hunting. Um, but if the if the the guide was blind, they couldn't do any of that because they can't see it. They wouldn't be able to know the area. They wouldn't know where the animals are. Um, and so Jesus is saying you're supposed to be guiding people. To God, he said, "But you, you're not, because you're blind. You're blind guides. You think you know all about God, but you don't know God. You, you're 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 making this gold that's in the temple binding. You're making the gifts that's on the altar binding. But what's really binding is the temple itself, because God lives here. And when you, he, he's telling these Pharisees, when when you uh, swear by anything that has to do with this temple." you are swearing by the throne of god up in heaven and he says it's bad it's bad he says what sorrow awaits you in verse 23 you teachers of religious law and you pharisees hypocrites he says this every time for you are careful to tithe even the tiniest income from your herb garden but you ignore the more important aspects of the law justice mercy and faith you should tithe jesus says yes But do not neglect the more important things, blind guides. And he says that again, blind guides. You strain your water so that you won't accidentally swallow a gnat, but you swallow a camel. Now think about that, a little old gnat. And I guess maybe the gnats were unclean uh, insects. And so he says you strain your water so you don't accidentally uh, defile yourself by swallowing a gnat. But you swallow a big giant camel. In other words, you're focused on this tiniest stuff to make sure you do all this stuff right. But yet, this stuff that's really matters, justice, mercy, and faith, you don't do those. And so you're careful to, to uh, not to swallow a gnat, but you're you're swallowing this big giant camel that's easily seen. They were so careful as to not break the law, so they thought, right? And they wanted everybody to know. Look at my long tassels. Look at my big phylacteries. They want. It's all about the show. They wanted people to think that they were close to God. And look how religious they are. And they would announce it to the whole world. And they would say these beautiful prayers. And everybody would, oh, Rabbi, you know. So they're feeding their ego. And Jesus says, you you you're overlooking what really matters: justice, mercy, and faith. And we see justice. Mercy and faith being modeled by Jesus himself all through his ministry. I mean, if you think about the woman who was caught in adultery, the Pharisees, they bring this woman to Jesus. She was caught in the very act. She is having sex with somebody that's not her husband. And, and by the way, the man was just as guilty as the woman. Where's the man in this in this scenario, in this example? Because they never bring the man before Jesus. They, they bring the woman. Like, you know, like she was the only one involved in this thing. And, and here's this woman naked as a jaybird before Jesus. They literally caught her in the act of, of having sex. Get her away from the man. Bring her straight to Jesus and say, this woman is caught in the very act of adultery. What are you going to do about it? Because by the law... By God's law, she should be stoned. She should be killed. But what about the man? He was just as guilty. He, he committed the act too, so he should be stoned as well. But they're, they're focused on this woman. And and so Jesus says, well, whoever's without sin cast the first stone. Well, what do they do? They're all sinners. And so from the oldest to the youngest, they just drop their rocks and walk off because they can't throw a stone because they're all sinners and they know it. And Jesus showed this woman justice and mercy when he told her, where's your condemners? And she said, there's nobody here to condemn me, Lord. And he says, neither do I condemn you either. Go and sin no more. He forgave her. He he filled her full of faith. He showed her justice and mercy and faith. Jesus was always the ultimate example that we should follow. And that's what he's saying here to this crowd. And to his disciples, don't he said, listen to their teachings, but don't follow their examples because their hearts are not right with God. Verse 25, Jesus says, What sorrow awaits you, teachers of religious law, and you Pharisees, hypocrites, for you are so careful to clean the outside of the cup and the dish, but inside you're filthy, you're full of greed and self-indulgence. You blind Pharisee, first wash the inside of the cup and the dish, and then the outside will become clean, too. See, so they were all always uh, worried about the outside and how they appeared, and that's that's why they told Jesus, "Why does your disciples not wash their hands ceremonially before they eat? They just start eating. They don't wash ceremonially." And this ceremonial ceremonial hand washing, there's a lot to it, and you can you can Google it and read about it, but it it it, it takes a while. It's not just throw your hands in some water it it it, it's very deep Uh, and to do that every time you eat i mean it's one one that's what jesus is saying you're he's saying these religious leaders and these pharisees he says you're so careful to to clean the outside but the inside of you is just dirty it's nasty if you would clean the inside the outside is going to take care of itself and we see this with jesus we see this with people who come to Jesus, who are washed in the blood of Jesus, they're filled with the Holy Spirit, God uh, and Jesus, God the Father, Jesus, the Holy Spirit, they're all living inside of us who have given our, our lives to Christ. And, and and so our inside has been cleansed, spiritually cleansed, our, our, our filthy rags, our our um, our sins are scarlet, but they have been made white as snow and, and by the blood of Jesus. And now our inside is clean. God is living inside of us. We Paul says that we are the temple of God. He doesn't dwell. That building has been destroyed in AD 70. And now we are the temple of God. He lives inside of us. Those of us who have been washed in the blood of Jesus and filled with his Holy Spirit. We are the temple. The inside has been cleansed. And so when the inside becomes clean, well, the outside follows. Because we are living for Jesus. We've had... We have repented of our sins, and, and repentance means a change of direction. Does it mean we're never going to sin again? Absolutely not, because we will. We're human. But we we ask for forgiveness, and we try our best not to do that sin ever again, and we keep walking toward Jesus. We're, we're trying to have a relationship on a daily basis with Jesus, and we're continually asking for forgiveness of our sins, and he continually cleanses us, and that's what he promises us. Uh, is it John I think it's in maybe first John I can't remember he talks about walking with him and as we continue walking with Jesus his blood continues to wash away our sin so he changes us from and there's a the worship song I can't remember maybe it was his song I can't remember It's talking about from the inside out it's a good song uh, we used to sing it many years ago in uh, a church that I was a youth minister at from the inside out Um, Verse 27, Jesus says, What sorrow awaits you, teachers of religious law and you Pharisees, you hypocrites, for you are like whitewashed tombs, beautiful on the outside, but filled on the inside with dead people's bones and all sorts of impurity. Outwardly, you look like righteous people, but inwardly, your hearts are filled with hypocrisy and lawlessness. In other words, you look the part, but you're not playing the part. You, you you you've duped people into thinking that you're religious, that you have this relationship with God, but you don't know God, and your heart is far from God. And and, and they did. They looked apart. They dressed in these religious uh, robes, and they had the extra long tassels. They had the big phylacteries, and they said the fancy prayers. They fasted all the time. They they seemed to be doing all the right stuff, but they're going to kill God Himself. They're going to reject the very Messiah that they've been looking for. (coughs) Excuse me. But we've looked at a passage where Jesus and his disciples, they've been visiting the temple and his disciples, they're in awe of what they see in this temple. And I can just imagine the beauty of this thing. And they're watching these religious leaders and these Pharisees, they're walking around, they're, they're, they're dropping their money into the treasury at the temple. And the louder the sound, the more money. That's what they wanted. They wanted people to hear that sound and to see and to notice how much money that they're giving so they could be impressed with their giving. And uh, these disciples, they they just had mad respect for these religious leaders. And yet the whole time, these disciples, this ragtag bunch of dudes had more faith and trusted God more than any of these religious leaders, and these Pharisees who have studied the law them wholesale for their their whole lives, these these fishermen, tax collectors who were notorious sinners, as they were labeled, the worst sinners of all. Uh, Jesus said to the Pharisees, He says, "Look at this crowd. This crowd's full of tax collectors and Pharisees, and they're getting into heaven before you do." And these people, they don't know anything about the law. Maybe very little, what's been taught to them. And maybe they studied the men studied it a little bit as young boys. But they're out there fishing, trying to make a living. They've been rejected by their society because they're tax collectors. And, and yet, they're closer to God than these people, these religious leaders who have studied the law their whole lives and looked apart. The these are a ragtag bunch of dudes walking around with Jesus But yet, they're closer to God because they're actually doing the will of God, not these rich people who are in it for themselves and have elevated themselves above everybody that they're supposed to be leading to God. Jesus just said you're leading them away from God. When you convert somebody, you're making them a child of hell. So we can see as, as Jesus just continues to lay down these woes, and he's not done yet, he continues to lay down these woes, and he's exposing these Pharisees for who they really are, these hypocrites. That's why he keeps saying it over and over again. You're hypocrites. You're, you're, you're putting these masks on, and you're playing these different parts, but yet, underneath that mask, your heart is not right. You're, 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 you don't have a relationship with God because you're trying to kill me. I'm God in the flesh. He says in verse 29, he says, What sorrow awaits you, teachers of religious law, and you Pharisees, hypocrites! For you build tombs for the prophets your ancestors killed. So your ancestors killed the prophets. And you decorate the monuments of the godly people your ancestors destroyed. So in other words, you beautify. Like we go to the, uh, you can go to a cemetery even today. And you got all these carvings and all these fancy monuments that people put on people's graves. Um, He said, that's what's going on here. He says, you build tombs for the prophets your ancestors killed. And you decorate the monuments of the godly people your ancestors destroyed. And then you say, if we had lived back in the days of our ancestors, we would never have joined them in killing the prophets, But in, which is interesting because they're fixing to kill God himself. But in saying that, Jesus says, you testify against yourselves that you are indeed the descendants of those who murder the prophets. Go ahead and finish what your ancestors started. Snakes, son of vipers. Isn't that what John the baptizer said about the, the Pharisees when they come out? Uh to investigate when he was uh, baptizing people in the Jordan River, he said, you brood of vipers. Interesting. Jesus says the same thing in verse 33. You snakes, you sons of vipers, how will you escape the judgment of hell? Therefore, I am sending you prophets and wise men and teachers of religious law, but you will kill some by crucifixion, some being Jesus, and I believe Peter was killed upside down because he said he wasn't worthy to be killed like Jesus was. And he was crucified upside down. And here's Jesus predicting that. You will kill some by crucifixion. And you will flog others with whips in your synagogue. That happens all through the book of Acts. Chasing them from city to city. That happens all the time. Paul was a Pharisee himself at one time. He was there at the stoning of Stephen. They were laying their coats down at the feet of Saul. Who later became paul when he had uh he was persecuting christians going from house to house dragging out men and women taking them to prison many of them were being killed because they believed in jesus and and this saul has an encounter with jesus who and, and jesus knocks him off the horse is the people that were with him get knocked off the horse they can't see jesus but paul can and there's a conversation being had between paul and jesus and and, and Saul says, who are, who are you, Lord? And he says, I am Jesus whom you are persecuting. In other words, you're persecuting these people who follow me, but you're not persecuting them. You're persecuting me, Jesus. And so that changes Saul's life. He changes his name to Paul and becomes one of the greatest missionaries, one of the greatest preachers and wrote two-thirds of the New Testament. That's, that's what Jesus says. If you cleanse the inside first... The outside will take care of itself. And Paul is a very great example of this. And he says, you're going to kill some by crucifixion. They're, you're going to flog others with whips in your synagogues. And you're going to chase them from city to city. That's exactly what happens to Paul. He is chased from city to city. And people try to kill him. They even stoned him at one point, and, and And many believe that he was resurrected from the dead. He was beaten many times. He was flogged many times. But Jesus says, as a result... You Pharisees, you, you teachers of the religious law, uh, you, you will be held responsible for the murder of all godly people of all time. From the murder of righteous Abel to the murder of Zachariah, son of Berechi, or however you say that, Berechiah, whom you killed in the temple between the sanctuary and the altar. I tell you the truth, this, this judgment will fall on this very generation. So Jesus is just calling them out. He says, you say you wouldn't do like your ancestors did who killed the prophets. He said, but this is what you're about to do. You're about to kill me. You're going to kill the people who follow me. And you're going to persecute those who call on my name. He said, you're going to be held responsible for the, the, the most ungodliest people, the, the murders of all godly people of all time. And so this is going to begin uh, with the crucifixion of Jesus. And, and like I said a while ago, it goes all through the book of Acts. Uh, because the, 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 the 12 apostles, minus Judas, adding Matthias in Acts chapter 1, they take over after uh, Jesus ascends back to heaven. The Holy Spirit falls in Acts chapter 2. Peter preaches on the day of Pentecost. The church begins with about the baptism of about 3,000 people. And it, it was on after that. Um, the apostles were called into question. They were told not to teach or preach in the name of Jesus anymore, but they go right back to the temple and, and, and keep doing the same thing. Next thing you know, they're flogged, and, and they're rejoicing because they have been flogged. Uh, they have been scourged, um, and their flesh has been ripped off their back, and they they were rejoicing because they counted it uh, worthy to be flogged in the, because they're serving Jesus. They're being persecuted. Next thing you know, uh, Stephen's being stoned. James is being beheaded, all by these religious leaders just like Jesus said it would happen um, <clears throat> and I already given them the example of Paul so I don't want to get back into that um, but the last three verses of Matthew 23 what, what what they do is they show the real heart of God as Jesus in the midst of the Pharisees and the crowd don't forget that he's surrounded by all these people especially these Pharisees. He's been pronouncing these woes and exposing the Pharisees, and he's going to shift gears. and And it's like he's just throwing out this one last plea to Israel, to the Jews. And he cries out. He says, O Jerusalem, O Jerusalem, the city that kills the prophets and stones God's messengers, how often have I wanted to gather your children together as a hen protects her chicks beneath her wings, but you wouldn't let me. And now look at your house. It's abandoned and desolate. For I tell you this. We're talking about the, the temple. It's abandoned and desolate. It's fixed to be empty. Because when he dies on the cross, the veil of the temple is ripped in two from top to bottom, signifying that God is no longer there. They can walk right into the holiest of holies because God is no longer there. He's been walking around right there in front of their very eyes, and they reject. They kill him. And he's crying out to them one last time. He says in verse 39, I tell you this, you will never see me again until you say blessings on the one who comes in the name of the Lord. Don't make, <clears throat> don't make the same mistake that these religious leaders did and many of the Jews did and reject Jesus, right? They rejected the only one, the only one who could heal them and cleanse them from their sin. And in just a few days, they're going to get rid of him. Th- this, this message that Jesus laid down the gauntlet on them, it, it had no effect on them whatsoever. It did maybe on some of them. Because we, knew, we know there were at least Nicodemus and Joseph of Arimathea who were um, a part of the Sanhedrin and Pharisees. Uh, they, they were converted to Jesus, followed Jesus, and they were the ones who take Jesus' body off the cross. So there are some who listened and were obedient, but very few. They rejected the only one who could heal them and cleanse them from their sin. And like I said, in a few days, he's going to be crucified. And they think they got rid of him for good. Their house or the temple that they relied on so heavily because God lived in it is about to be destroyed. And like I said, we are now the temple of God. And if... if, if If we've been washed in the blood of Jesus Christ and filled with his Holy Spirit, God dwells in us. He he no longer dwells in a building made of hands. That building has been destroyed. And these religious leaders, these Pharisees, they're going to see that happen. It's going to come to pass in A.D. 70. Many of those, when Jesus was talking right here, many of those were still alive and they saw it happen. I just wonder, I mean, I can't prove it, but I just wonder if they had second thoughts. And maybe they thought, you know what? That Jesus guy was right. But hopefully they came, they came to repentance. And that temple, it still, li- uh, it still lies in ruins today because the Messiah, Jesus, he has come. And he's crying out to you and me, just like he's crying out to Jerusalem here. To, he's crying out to the Jews. He's crying out to these religious leaders, to these Pharisees. I am your Messiah. I am your Savior. Believe on me. Don't turn away from me. Put your faith in me so that your sins will be cleansed and you will spend eternity with me in heaven, with my Father in heaven, because I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the life. I am the only way to the Father, not the law. None of your good deeds, no matter what you do, you cannot work your way into heaven. And that's why he's crying out to these Jews here. Put your faith in me. But unfortunately, in two or three days, they're going to crucify him. And they think they get rid of him, but God raises him from the dead. And that's what Peter says in Acts chapter 2. When all those Jews who had come to Jerusalem... For the Feast of Pentecost to offer their first fruits to God there at the temple. They hear the apostles speaking in tongues. They think they're drunk. And Peter says, no, we're not drunk. It's only 9 o'clock in the morning. If we wanted to be drunk, we wouldn't be drinking this early. He said, but this was prophesied by uh, by the prophet Joel. And he says that you Jews, you are guilty of crucifying the very Messiah you've been looking for. And God has raised him up back to life. And, and, and they, they, they realized that what they've done. And they, the Bible says they were pricked in their heart. They were convicted of what they have done. And these Jews cried out to Peter. And they said, men and brethren, what shall we do? And Peter says, repent and be baptized in water. Fully immersed. Every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the remission of your sins. But see, Because they thought Jesus was a blasphemer. They're not even going to call on the name of Jesus. And Peter says, you've got to repent of your sins. And you got to call on the name of Jesus. And you've got to be baptized for the remission of your sins. And you'll be filled with the Holy Spirit. In other words, God no longer dwells in this temple. But he will dwell in you if you make that decision. And I hope and pray that you don't make the decision that these Pharisees and these religious leaders made. And reject Jesus make that decision today to follow Jesus and to be Jesus and in, in the community around you let Jesus change you from the inside out you say "Why well, I don't I, I do all this bad stuff and it's, it's gonna be hard for me to give that up <clears throat> listen to me if you'll give your life to Jesus and give him a shot he'll take care of all that it, it, he will deliver you from it and and when you cleanse the inside first and the outside follows I promise you I guarantee it Jesus said it and he will come through for you but you got to make that decision to put Christ on in baptism and be filled with his holy spirit and to start walking with him today and if if i can help you in any way if i can if, if you don't live anywhere near me i can uh, if you'll tell me where you're at i will find somebody that will um, answer any question that you have about the bible about jesus about salvation about the holy spirit uh, i will find you some help in whatever area that you're in uh, there's a phone number at the end of this podcast uh that you can text me at or you can email me at the at and i pray that if i can help you in any way that you will contact me today don't wait don't put it off god bless you keep grinding Thanks for listening to The Grinded Podcast. If we could pray for you or encourage you in any way, please email us at thegrindedpodcast@gmail.com gmail.com or you can text us at 865-418-2824. If you're watching on YouTube, please click like and subscribe and you'll be notified about new episodes. If you're listening on an app, leave us a five-star review, but most importantly, share The Grinded Podcast with a friend. God bless you and remember, keep grinding.